0: Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. First day. And it's it begins with me finding Ailish leaving her hair all over my studio. What's up, everybody? I'm J.D. Bunkus. And yeah, this is where I'm going to exist. This is where we're going to be. Nine o'clock. And if you're listening to this right now, I implore you to subscribe to the podcast. Because one of the goals of this sucker is to make this a little bit more, as they call in the industry, evergreen. I don't want to have the topics kind of explode a day later or an hour later. I promise I'm going to try at least sometimes to make some of these topics uh, last a little longer than today. day. Um, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to bring in my buddy, uh, Ben Ennis. You were the You were the man that I had to have for first guest on the show. Congratulations. How are you?
1: I'm good. I feel honored to be yeah, the yeah. first guest on this show. I don't appreciate you being in the awesome studio that makes your voice sound so uh-huh. good. Like, and, and I, Dude, I sound like a child you, and you, I know, sound you sound like sound... a pro broadcaster. I part don't of like
0: the, that. Part of the whole reason for this to f- kick it off is so that people could tell why, you know, I am in the position that I'm in. And that is my voice versus you <laughs> who is wearing his golf attire because you're kind of casual about it. Like, this is just sort of a hobby for you, not really a career. It's more yeah. of a career for me. Going golfing today. You got your little get-up going on. That's nice. You see Bryson.
1: Uh, I I tweeted out the, the yeah him against the rope. Yeah, yeah. There's I mean, we all have friends who is who are the that guy Oof. who is just like so overly dramatic. You know, trip, fall, scrape themselves, and act like the world is coming to an end. And he, yeah, yeah. There was it was very much on brand for Bryson DeChambeau to scream for about a, a minute after running into the gallery rope.
0: Yeah, if you didn't see it, he he walks into the gallery rope and then takes a knee. Like, he yeah. goes down to the ground. I can't even see. Yeah, I can't even see it in my eye. <laughs> he's had some really embarrassing things happen to him over the last, I would say, three years, <laughs> and this is chief among them now. Like, this is something where you go, that just, that cannot happen. You cannot do that as a professional athlete and possibly recover from it. So that was a tough one for Bryson DeChambeau. Anyways, um... I needed. I've got so many NFL thoughts today. Uh, Obviously, I'm going to do my panic power rankings with Charles Davis, um, friend of the show, friend of me, more of a friend of me than to Ailish again, who left her hair all over the studio, just disgusting way. The boys had this. This is, you know, part of the show is that I want to bring some of the uh, younger, more talented people in the industry up through the show. Right? Show them the ropes. Show them how to do a podcast. Show them how to host a podcast, produce a podcast, do all these different things. And that's how they got introduced to things. It's just like disgusting studios. Disgusting, uh, hair-filled studios. So before I get to some of these NFL thoughts, because what a crazy, crazy, crazy Sunday it was. What a great Sunday it was. Um, I have some Jay's weekend things that I want to do with you. Yeah, I'm down. So we used to play this game, Is This Anything? You might recall it because it was your thing on Good Show. By the way, Ben's going to do an hour with me every single week called The Good Hour. So for those of you that did like Good Show, um, please subscribe because you will be getting that in your feed once a week. Is this anything, Ben Ennis? Matt Chapman, 19 of his 26 home runs come at the Rogers Center. Is this anything?
1: No, I really don't think it's anything. Um, Because, yeah, you asked me to do this assignment looking into the home road uh, things that I care most about when it comes to the Jays and their potential playing all three, potentially all three, maybe only just two, uh, uh, games of this wild card round at Rogers Center as opposed to on the road. And guess what? Everything's better at home. It just, it is, slightly. Now, the Blue Jays Mm -hmm. are one of the best road teams in all of baseball, but they're still better at home, right? And historically... Roger Center is a good place to hit home runs. Uh, not as good as Dunedin or Buffalo, as Vlad can attest to. But, no, I don't think this is anything. This is, I mean, it's not like the, the Blue Jays played Yankee Stadium, right? And and Matt Chapman's a left-handed hitter, and he has 30 home runs, and 29 of them are 310 feet to right mm-hmm. field. No, this guy's had power his entire career playing in one of the hardest home uh, ballparks to hit a home run in in Oakland that he has more home runs in a good hitters ballpark than on the road does not does not uh, not make it's me... quite a discrepancy
0: though like it is quite a discrepancy and it, it did lead me to this okay because I think some of this stuff is random right some of the stuff is the Jose Barrios splits that we went over and then Shai Davidi made everyone feel like an idiot because he wrote a yes. column and went actually if you guys had just looked at the win-loss records of the teams that Barrios had faced home and away You would find out that it's actually he struggles against good hitting teams and he dominates bad uh, hitting teams. This one, though, did make me think about, Okay, so there's rumors right now that the federal government might get rid of arrive can might get rid of the vaccination mandates at the border. Now, we don't know what the timeline is going to be for some of these things. Joe
1: Biden declared the the pandemic over.
0: Yeah, that was pretty big. That was pretty big of Joe. Joe's doing a lot of things, threatening Russia, you know, telling him not to, you know. Joe's out there. Joe's doing things right now. Old Joe. So if that ends up happening, I think that kind of forces us into a position where we actually look at home field advantage for the Jays and what it actually means. Because they're in this race, right, with Seattle, and every night we're looking at the standings, and they, oh, maybe they're going to catch the Yankees, and they're going to have home field advantage. But what it used to mean was you might have a player advantage. That was the main focal point of this, right? Was, hey, if you face the Seattle Mariners in the series and you get three games at home, you're going to get them with no Robbie Ray starting things off. We're going to find out which players are ineligible to come to Canada. I I don't know if that's actually going to be a case in a month from now. It doesn't seem like the way that the political winds are blowing that that is going to be the case. And so I guess the Matt Chapman, is this anything? It was a bit of a jumping off point to ask you, what do you... Actually, care about when it comes to home field advantage because, yeah, like you mentioned, it's one of those things where you go, it's better to be at home, and yes, it's better to play in front of a crowd. But do you think there's an actual tangible benefit to this that you p- care about particularly?
1: Yes. Thank you for sending me on this journey to, to come up yeah. with something because I actually came up with something really great. Not okay, to toot my thrilled. own horn,
0: like I, I <laughs> guarantee you. Good now because you really you had a little smile, you got a little glint in your eye. You're you're uh, happy about this answer. I can tell you're very self satisfied. Okay, like, did let me you set call your wife in the room to be like, honey, you're not going to no. believe the Blue Jays stat that I...
1: She's you know. on a, a work trip, actually. She's not even in did the house. Did you email
0: like... her? Did you text her? Email her. I <laughs> <I> should, <laughs> you, I should. you should have emailed her, actually. Yeah. Emailed you know what? I should have FaceTimed her. Dearest ring. wife. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, let me set this up by saying, yeah, okay. ultimately, the Blue Jays are one of the best road teams in all of baseball. The record would, uh, would, would lead you to uh, that conclusion. All their offensive stats on the road would lead you to that conclusion, but there was one major, major thing about playing at home, mm. and, uh, and and it seems obvious. And bed. what's that?
0: Sleeping in your own bed. Is that where you're going? Is that well?
1: Your the, the, yes, but there's no number for that. If there yeah. was a number for that, I would give it to you. What there is a number for is umpires. Umpires, just by and large, horrible. Right? We can all agree. Bad at their job. It's very difficult though when you have Felix Bautista throwing 103. How are you supposed to? How's the human eye supposed to identify? No, I, by I, the way? there's
0: there was that umpire the other night. I think it was Saturday. Who? No, it was Friday because it was the first game against the Orioles, and he just was blatantly ringing guys up who yeah. he thought was showing him up. Uh, Who's the nine-hitter for the Orioles again? Uh, Urias? Urias? Yes. Yeah, he he tried to walk because it was a ball, and the umpire was like, yeah, you're out. Matt Chapman tried to do the same thing later (laughs) in the game. He's like, yeah, you're out too. He was just throwing guys out left and right. His strike zone was two feet below, two feet above. But I think where you're going with this is that the Orioles were the team that really got screwed over more than the Blue Jays did in that Mm -hmm. game.
1: Uh, you hit it, buddy. So let's think back to the best Blue Jays team of this generation. It wasn't 2016? It was 2015, oh, right? Oh yeah. Talk and to... the the seminal moment of that season was Game Six, ninth inning, on the road mm-hmm. in Kansas City against the Royals, the eventual World Series champions, and a couple of calls that go against the Blue Jays' way mm-hmm. that may have sw- swung the outcome of the entire series. Now 100%. it's even if they win Game Six, they got to win Game Seven. But like, it is not. At all, um, speaking out of school to say that 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 you know a couple of different ball strike calls and the Blue Jays at least tie that up and maybe win it and then win in seven games. So yeah, umpires are bad. We we know that they're humans, right? They're very susceptible to outside forces. Umpire scorecards, they're they're so great. That Twitter account is so great. They actually have a website as well where you can go through every single game that they've uh, cata- uh, that they've cataloged throughout the season. So mm-hmm. the Blue Jays, and they, and in those games, if you've ever seen one of the scorecards, it says which team has been the beneficiary of the missed calls the most. The Blue Jays, on their road games, have gotten a favorable umpire in 43.1% of those games, on the road. So 43% of the games they play on the road, they get the better umpiring. When they're at home, 58.1%. Mm-hmm. That's massive. Now, that that means, you know, in any given game, there's still 40% of games that you're not going to be the team that gets the benefit of the
0: umpiring. Yeah, this is an infallible stat.
1: But that is, but, but this is what we're looking for, small yeah. percentage points. I've identified it. I'm the first person to tell you the actual numbers would would argue that the umpiring is going to be more favorable for the Blue Jays when they're at Rogers Center as opposed to on the road.
0: Yeah, listen, we, we've always had um, the idea that a ref felt more pressure. An umpire felt more pressure when dealing with a raucous home crowd. You know what ref wants to get the ref you suck chance. Actually, probably some of them because I yeah. I feel like some of those guys are sickos, and that's Correct. what they live for, and they just love it. Right? You think that Joe West cares about negative or positive retention? That Angel Hernandez? Yeah, no, just attention, just anything that funnels their way. They're definitely the person at the dinner table that just says the thing to aggravate the person who's going to get super upset by it. Just to have the attention swing their way, right? They don't mind if the dinner table goes, Joe, why do you always do this? You know, that's his wife at the dinner table. You always do this, Joe. Thanksgiving is everyone's funneling off to their own areas, just all pissed off at them. They don't care. They just want attention. But this being quantifiable, I wonder if this is what it felt like when guys, you know, Split the atom where they were sitting around and they were like, wow. Oh, no. You know what it is? I'm at the, (laughs) like, like, huge Hadron Collider in in Europe. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about.
1: And it's, like, billions of dollars. And and the the governments of, of like, ten different European nations pooled their monies together to build this giant (laughs) metal tube under the ground. (laughs) And then they're they're like, okay, we're looking for this thing that we only think exists. We don't know... Yeah. And then they found it. They found the Higgs boson. Yeah. That was That That's was me. you going last too night.
0: deep, but yeah, okay. Yeah, you're just trying to show off now. You could have used a reference yeah. that more people know. Like, uh, you could have just said, this must have been like when they first made the fire, you know? No. <laughs> when they no, first Higgs made boson, fire. Buddy. They were just, you know, all of a sudden they fluked out on it, and the one guy figured it out. And he went, wait, you know, I think. If we rub the things together, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> this is how you do it, boys. This is how we're doing it. Fire. That's you. That's you with the umpire thing. No, I'm fully in on this. Um, the umpire scorecard is usually too aggravating for me to even look at. People mm. want to share it with me, and I go, "What? why bother? Is it ever good? To know that the Blue Jays are getting favorable umpiring in nearly 60% of their games at home yep. would lead me to believe that, yeah, that's a massive advantage. My only thing is... And not to, I don't wanna poo poo the fire stat, because this is a fire stat. Uh-oh. Do you think that's gonna change with better umpire crews? Because that would be my first question is that it's supposed to be the elite of the elite. And if that is the premise that we're working under come postseason time, are there certain umpires where those numbers wouldn't hold up?
1: Well, not as much. Yeah, sixty yeah. percent is probably too high, but I would I would imagine that some slight advantage because it it should be noted. Yeah, Angel Hernandez is fighting that court battle because he doesn't get the <laughs> yeah. umpire in the postseason, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah, we understand guy. that. So yeah, there Could will you be no Angel
0: he won, and you're the team that gets the first Angel Hernandez game back. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that that's your that's your you wait all year it's playoffs you go you buy a ticket and you sit down yeah. in your seat. And this one guy beside you goes, "Hey, did you know Angel Hernandez won his court case? And that's him behind home plate tonight." <laughs> no, I said <laughs> yeah, yes, like two hundred fifty bucks.
1: That would be bad. But anyone that's followed the court case, I'm yeah, pretty certain
0: that. that that's not happening. People are following the court case. Oh
1: yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah, I, it's ongoing. Aware. Oh yeah, there was some incredible I'm anecdotes out of that thing. You should. I, I implore you to check it out because yeah, no, yeah everything. I yeah, the you know, the perjury's on the line, so everybody has to be on the up and up.
0: It <laughs> oh, is oh, hilarious. Is not, I'm in. I'm in on this. You know what? Maybe one of these days we're just going to read, like, a daily quote from the Angel Hernandez trial. Oh, yeah, there
1: least. was an anecdote about how he, like, deliberately pretended that he couldn't hear or understand the video <laughs> replay equipment so that they couldn't overturn his call.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's really yeah. good. That's a good move, though.
1: Honestly, that feels like if JD Bunkus. Was I, an I was umpire. just going to
0: say that this is why I could never be an ump is because that I would do that too. I, I'd be on that headset. They go, uh, "You got it wrong." I'd be like, uh, "Pardon me, <laughs> like oh, you got it wrong." I was like, "No, you're breaking, you're breaking up. It up. No, you're breaking <laughs> up." <laughs> exactly. It's like call confirmed. <laughs> it's confirmed. We've confirmed it, everybody. Uh, well, yeah,
1: even if the umpiring is a little closer to 50-50 in the postseason, man, I, I tried, there were so many things that I thought might be it. And I was like, okay, man, I know their actual record at home isn't outstanding. Maybe their record at home when they get 40,000 plus fans in the building and mm-hmm. no, because they were swept in a three game series against the angels <laughs> in which all three yeah. games were 40,000 plus, it destroyed that. But you know what else I was thinking is the the bullpen usage and not that john schneider would be afraid to use jordan romano in the top of or sorry in the in the bottom of the ninth in a tie game on the road but think back to that wild card game in 2016 of course and and zach Britton's absence from it um roberto osuna did pitch in a tie game in the ninth inning right he pitched and then he threw i I think he got an out or two in the 10th inning of that game as well i I think jordan romano is a six out guy in the postseason and, and I think it just, it allows you to be a little bit more aggressive with your bullpen, understanding that you still have a chance to win the game in the bottom half of that inning.
0: The, the bullpen was super interesting this weekend. Like <laughs> Romano not getting used in some spots that maybe you thought they would have liked to have given some work, a guy that, who is on record saying he likes to work. Giving up a blown save for the first time in God knows how long and just not really looking like himself after that. I thought that that was a bit of an indicator, but not really worth being a topic because, yeah, guess what? The Jays come playoff time, and as these games get bigger, they're not going to screw around with that. They're going to use Jordan Romano. We saw Jimmy Garcia start to get used in a back-to-back, which they've been really reluctant to do. I went over it with Blake last week, but they'd gone a a month without putting Jimmy Garcia in back-to-back spots. Um, There was clearly some reluctance to do it. Anyways, bullpen I thought was great. Blue Jays are looking like a little bit more of a mature team. It's a topic that I'm going to do tomorrow with Dan Shulman, but... Last thing before you go, because these are your stats, right? These are the Ben Ennis creates fire. He brings you some statistics. <laughs> you were also the guy that really started to push the importance of George Springer. And, and that seems obvious, right? Just like umpires seem obvious. But that's kind of what you do is you take something that a lot of people notice and then you quantify it the first quickly. Mm-hmm. And then take a lot of credit and lavish yourself with all of that credit, right? Like that's praise right. yourself. Yeah, and get other people too. Um, George Springer. The Blue Jays' record with and without him became a huge uh, talking point this season. Guy gets hurt. The elbow clearly is not right. You see some swings at times where you almost just want him to come out of the game, even though you know it's not getting worse or any better, just simply from a, you're a human being seeing another human being in pain. And you go, yeah, maybe don't do that. Like, don't keep touching the stove. Over the weekend, heading into it, his OPS over the last month was below 700. He creaked that over that with a a couple of big days. He hit the double to close last night. That became kind of inconsequential, but I thought that it was pretty big. Like, yeah, 657 OPS over the month before before going into this. Was, like, f-
1: it was four feet away from yeah. tying the game. Against yeah, it really the was. best closer in baseball. Well,
0: this is kind of what I wanted to bring you to, though. So he has the three-run bomb Friday, He and then he has two big hits Saturday, another extra base hit on Sunday that, you know, almost clears the fence. Um, do you – are you encouraged by what you're seeing from George Springer right now? Is this something that you're buying into? Because it's, it's kind of hard for me to believe that the Jays can win – Without him at the top of their lineup, barring just you know miracle pitching, like they need that bat in their lineup. That's already been conclusively proven with the numbers that you've indicated to with their win-loss record the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, if Vlad and Bo are at the peak of their powers, that's that's a pretty good sure three in the middle. Well, yeah, of the if
0: Bo think, hits yeah. the way that he was the last month or the last two uh, yeah three weeks, it's just yeah whatever you can get by.
1: Yes, but no, George Springer is at the middle of everything, right? Like even think back to the start of the September surge last year. Where George Springer has the incredible hit in Game One of a doubleheader against the Orioles. This guy is in the middle of everything, always. And I wish I had actually dug up his leverage stats this year, and mm-hmm. you know, take uh, clutch uh, stats and 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 guys' ability to hit in clutch situations with. Uh, a grain of salt, I suppose, but this guy always feels like, and and part of it is the World Series pedigree, right? We're talking about World Series MVP here. Um, Is that this guy has a knack for the moment. He's not afraid, because he has a history of coming through in clutch moments, and Mm -hmm. if the Blue Jays don't win a World Series or do not do the things that's expected of them in this window. At least George Springer says, well, you you know what? I I already have these moments. Like, yeah, I I guess there's always a pressure on on the big free agent acquisition, but not as much as like Vlad and Bo. These guys have never won before. They are the faces of this franchise. I have a history of coming through in clutch situations and a ring on my finger, which maybe they should take away, but it's still on my finger. They Mm -hmm. haven't taken it away, and I've come through. In Those moments, and time and time again, as a Blue Jay, he's come through.
0: Yeah, he only had two home runs in the last month. So, for him to hit one, well, like, yeah, he, to hit, for him to hit one and almost two over the span of three days had me a little encouraged. Um, I, I don't want to overextend myself, I don't want to get overly excited based on a three game sample, but it did, it just kind of did serve as a reminder that going into the weekend, I really thought that one of the topics was going to be. Hey, what is the actual threshold for him to remain in the leadoff spot? Because he was struggling, man. Like I, I'm just saying, it felt a little hot takey. But when Lourdes, if Lourdes was going to come back and he was actually going to hit, or there was at least some type of other option, I, I thought, hey, maybe you take a l- like, maybe you take a look. Like there has yeah. to be a number, right? There has to be a number that a guy falls well, below for them to shake it up. And John Schneider hasn't been afraid to do that. And so for him to go into this weekend and completely change that storyline by having a bun- a couple of extra base hits. And essentially win them a ball game. I, I thought that was huge. And I, I hope it's big for him. And maybe maybe even with the elbow, there's a bit of a mental hurdle for him to get over. Where he goes, man, this hurts. And I can't get the ball over the fence. So I have to adjust how I'm hitting. All of a sudden, you hit a couple of bombs. Or you hit a couple of extra base hits. And maybe that goes away. I don't know.
1: Well, and then he, of course, got hit on the other elbow. So he yeah, has that no was elbows. Nice. Yeah,
0: well, maybe that's it. it. He's balanced it. out.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) He doesn't. Yeah, he can't feel the pain in the right elbow anymore because the left elbow. Like, also, like, let's let's look into the manufacturer of the elbow pad on the left elbow. If you can be in that much pain after getting hit on an elbow pad, Um, I think what we need to do though, and I'm I'm guilty of it too. So this Mm -hmm. is not like me talking down to people. Really, this has been such a strange season that yeah that we get so stuck in the micro. And I've done it. I mean, it was a pretty long micro for Bo Bichette. It was like four months of was micro. Say, was
0: that a micro? Was that a micro? Uh,
1: but, but take a step back. And now yeah, yeah. he's Bo Bichette. He like he's he's like essentially having the same hits. season he did yeah. a year ago, right? Yeah. And maybe the defense has taken a bit of a step back, but say, don't, yeah, no, don't be nobody ever thought this was Andrelton Simmons. Yeah. So I, I would say that, yeah, I, I think George Springer is going to have Three weeks where he slumps with the power, especially when he has no elbows. So (laughs) it doesn't change – how I feel about him in a big spot in the postseason
0: hey Tao, Um, after I think going 2 of 25 during the homestand welcome to the micro you are now under yeah. the microscope that's what we should yeah. you know what maybe that'll be a segment for us during the good hour is who the the microscope is just which Blue J <laughs> are we microanalyzing right now uh, Ben Ennis thanks for being the first guest again uh, wouldn't be here without you I appreciate all your time buddy
1: oh, I can't wait to listen to this show it was an honor for me to be the first yeah, guest right. see everybody, you, everybody
0: subscribe everybody subscribe do your thing and leave 5 stars it was already worth 5 stars just for that see you Benny Um, and with that, it is time for action brought to you by DraftKings. Monday night football gambling preview. Two games tonight. Two games. Um, I actually had such a bad day yesterday that like I I was waiting for a Cole Komet over just 12 yards. I just needed 12 yards from Cole Komet. And he's like a second-round pick. He's out of Notre Dame. Bears are trailing all game long. I'm thinking you can get 12 and a half year at school commit. There's just no way that you can't get that. He, he didn't get that. Um, I, I had a moment where I went, you know, maybe this just isn't for me. <laughs> maybe I just need a little break from gambling. And then Monday Night Football predictably goes with two games and says, what, you're not going to bet on two games of football? That's really going to be a reality for you? And then no, it's not. It's just, it's not. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to do some picks uh, every day. DraftKings. We're going to do some picks right here. Give a couple of football thoughts. Um... Today, I'm going to bring in my guys. I'm going to basically, I, I was trying to think about names for you guys. Um, I think kind of like the mechanics, like you guys are fixing things, you're working on things constantly. Uh, Joe Bosch, and Pete Walker, are going to be sitting in studio with me every day. They're going to do DraftKings with me. They're going to end up doing a bunch of other stuff. Um, Pete Walker sent me like a true manifesto of his gambling last night. And I said, <laughs> you don't need to do all that. Just give me one pick. Did you settle out of your manifesto? Did you have one pick today, Pete Walker?
2: I do have one pick, J.D. Uh, I have a two-leg parlay. Okay. Stephon Diggs and mm-hmm. Dawson Knox together. Okay. Stephon Diggs, he's got nine TDs in mm-hmm. 12 Monday Night Football games throughout his This is his a career. touchdown parlay? This is a touchdown parlay. Okay. Anytime TD. Okay. And then
0: Dawson Knox, I just got a gut feeling about. Yeah. Okay. So... The, the, a gut feeling. You gave me a twelve page manuscript and now we're going on yeah. gut feeling? Yeah. This hurts my feelings, <laughs> honestly. This hurts me. I thought we were gonna get like thirty two different Dawson not stats and I was gonna have to cut it down. I gave Joe this whole rundown today before you came in about like, hey, try to keep it brief. Don't try to run stats into one another, but gut feeling, I'll take it. All right, so we're gonna what does that pay?
2: Um, that is uh I forget what that was. I think it was like 340, 340. With
1: 10 bucks bet. Okay. It's
0: plus 360 plus on DraftKings. Plus 360 on DraftKings. Yeah. Okay, so that's your bet for tonight. It is a parlay. Uh, you you cheated. You made your one pick and a two picks, but that's okay. Yeah. Now we know. All right, Petey's picks. Uh, <laughs> the number one thing is uh, he doesn't know what one pick means. Uh, he learned two picks, plus 360, touchdown props for Diggs. That's actually going to lead into mine. Uh, I'll go before Joe because I'm taking Stephon Diggs over his yardage total. This is the second straight week where I've looked at Diggs' total and gone... Why is this so low? Um, It's 72 and a half yards on DraftKings. Last week, it was a similar number. And I get it because it was against Jalen Ramsey. And so people went, ooh, Jalen Ramsey. And then he torched Jalen Ramsey. He worked Jalen Ramsey. He got nine targets. He finished with eight receptions on those nine targets. He went over 100 yards. I went back because the Bills have had a weird track record with Tennessee. And I thought, well, maybe... This guy doesn't get the rock against the Titans. No, he's gone over this yardage total both times, um, and he cracked 100 in one of those times, uh, 89 in the other. So for a guy that is coming off a 122 yard performance, looked very clearly to be the number one guy for Josh Allen, who looks like he's on some you know superhero stuff right now. For a guy that has done this twice against the Titans in the last two years, 72 and a half feels like light work. So yeah, that's my lock of the night. I'm locking that in on DraftKings minus or sorry, minus 115 for over 72 and a half yards. Um, Joe Bosch, you cannot pick Stefan Diggs, okay? That's how this works. We have, we're, we're heavily leveraged with Diggs. What do you got for us tonight? You can pick from either game. Both of um, us going Bills. You going Bills? We're making this trifecta. Everyone's betting on the same game?
2: We're going a trifecta of okay. Buffalo Bills. I'm not going Stephon Diggs. I'm going a little more bold. Okay. I'm saying Josh Allen
0: gets more bold than cheating at the two rushing touchdowns. (laughs) Two rushing (laughs) touchdowns. Okay. Two
2: rushing touchdowns. So it also involves a two. Although technically Pete's was still one bet. So it still
0: works. Yeah, Pete's gonna have like an eight leg parlay next week, dominate (laughs) the second, and be like, this is technically just one bet. It's one wager. This is really crafty. Yeah, you didn't cheat. You're just crafty. This is smart.
2: But, yeah, I'm saying Allen, two rushing TDs. He had 56 yards and a touchdown last week, and the Titans gave up nearly 250 yards on the ground to the Giants. So Allen's going to be in the red zone a lot, and I think he's going to find the end zone using his feet.
0: The only thing that worries me about this bet is I feel like one of the mandates of the Bills this season has to be less Josh Allen running. Like, I was looking at his yardage total. It's 40 and a half, and I don't even hate that. Like, and I don't mind the bet either. Like, do I think he's going to punch one in? Probably. And do I think that at plus, what is it, 760 you said? Plus 750. Is plus 750 for him to get two, that that's an outrageous wager? No, I don't. I think that that's like, Ailish calls them the just five bucks, just ten bucks, like throwing a little uh, wager on that is no big deal. Um, I just think if the Bills, one of the scariest things for me, if I'm a Bills fan early on in the year, is if Josh Allen is doing it all with his legs again and they're not getting enough out of their backs. Like, I liked what I saw from Zach Moss in week one. I'm wondering what they're going to do with him this week. James Cook had the fumble, and then he was basically out of the game, but they invested pretty highly in him with their draft pick capital. And then Singletary, to me, he's just fine, is the way that I always put Singletary. He's fine. He's not bad. He's not great. He has some moments, good and bad. Um, But they need to have that kind of three-headed monster operate a little bit more in the run game. And if they're down in the red zone and they're not handing any of them the rock and Josh Allen's going for punching in his second touchdown of the night, I'm going to go, ah, ah, I know you're a mutant. I know you're 605 and you stiff-arm guys and you're an absolute beast, but maybe uh, maybe chill out. <laughs> maybe chill out. Find a different way. Anyways, uh, Joe Bosch, Pete Walker, uh, my two mechanics that are going to be working on the show every single day with me here uh, this week. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to do my panic power rankings with friend of the show. Can you have a friend of the show if you have this is your first show? Uh, Friend of the station, Charles Davis. Panic button power rankings. Which five teams should be curled up in a ball right now? Which fan bases are shaking in their boots? It's the J.D. Bunkers podcast. Subscribe, review, leave five stars, do all those things, share it with your friends, be kind. Charles Davis next.
1: Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you
0: get your podcasts. It's the J.D. Bunker's podcast on Sportsnet. First day of the show. I want to ease people in. You want to let them feel familiar. And how do you do that? You bring in one of the most familiar names on the station. uh, My friend, Charles Davis. Good morning, Charles.
2: Good morning to you and congratulations.
0: Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Um, I actually uh, owe you a lot of credit because, you know, you put over a lot of my takes and you made me sound like people think I know what I'm talking about with football. And that has done me a world of service. So I had to have you on today just to thank you
2: well you're awfully kind i do think that you are um how do i say it you're being very effusive in your praise when it's not not needed and i appreciate that but let's be honest about you're also being modest you got over because of what you do and how people respond to you and what what they want to hear so congratulations and this is the start of uh many many shows for you and many, many shows of success. So I'm really, really happy for
0: you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, I do want to get into some thoughts from the game that you called this weekend, but I guess if people yeah. are coming to me, um, what they want to do and they want to hear is panic. They want to hear overreaction. Yeah. And so I have compiled sure. five panic button teams for you today. And I've ranked them okay. in order in which I think that they should be panicking right now. And then I want you to jump in and you tell me if you think that. Any of these teams doesn't belong on the list, or which of these teams belongs higher, lower, however you want to put it. Number one, the Denver Broncos. Number two, the Indianapolis Colts. Number three, the Cincinnati Bengals. Number four, the Las Vegas Raiders. And number five, the Carolina Panthers. Who doesn't belong on this list? Is there anyone that's on the list that's in the incorrect spot to you?
2: Okay, I think it's an excellent list. I'm going to say number one to me is Indianapolis number two is number two would be Denver three Las Vegas Four, Cincinnati, and five, Carolina. I'll give you my quick methodology. Yeah, I it. want to hear it. Carolina, there's no need to panic because it wasn't going to happen anyway.
0: If you're Matt Rule, so, you just heard that Charles Davis quote and you went, ouch. But, yes, I think that you're probably I mean, right. It wasn't,
2: wasn't going to happen. So there was slight hope, and as a Panther fan told me actually this morning, those were the two games that everyone was targeting out of the gate. Like, hey, if we're going to do anything exactly. this year, those two have to be won. And since they're not won, everybody's kind of like, yeah, we're 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 co- we're toast. I didn't think it's going to happen anyway. I'm not saying I thought they'd lose both games. I'm just like, eh, yeah, At the end of the day, it sounds good, but it's just not going to happen. So I, that's why I have them at five. Cincinnati at four. The division's not running away from them, even though it's only two games. Baltimore let one get away yesterday. Pittsburgh, I think most people would have thought at home, had enough to beat New England. That didn't happen. Um, Cleveland had the Jets under control, should have been 2-0. That didn't happen. So even though you're off to an 0-2 start, no one's running away with it. Your problems are much more internal that you have to fix if you're, if you're Cincinnati. The idea that you were going to fix Joe Burrow getting hit turned out, to, turned out so far to be folly. Okay, yeah. so yeah. that's got to be corrected and figured out. But since it's not running away, I think they've got a chance. Las Vegas, I'll know. I'll know what to say. Twenty to nothing at the half against mm-hmm. a team that was a little bit in disarray from the off season. In fact, I thought when I saw the score at halftime, I thought, oh boy, Arizona was going to. You know,
0: Arizona would be on your list <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. I, I, they were. I actually ownership. had uh, uh, Raiders slash Cardinals. Made their way out of it. Yeah, I had yeah. Raiders slash Cardinals, and out. whoever lost was going to be in the spot.
2: It's a, it makes perfect sense, and I really thought Arizona was headed towards okay. Your off season was terrible. The, the idea of putting that in the contract and making it public with your quarterback was bad. Um, your, your, your coach coming out and saying we didn't practice well, everybody going well, aren't you the coach? <laughs> you know, I mean, all of that wiped away with a second half of football. But Las Vegas, now you're now you're 0-2 right out of the gate in a division that you can't afford to be losing games that you should win. Denver much more of how are they going to settle in on things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we all would have loved to have been a fly on the wall on Tuesday morning last week when Russell Wilson and, and Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach, met. And just quick question, Coach, why'd you trade for me? Mm-hmm. 64-yard field goal versus me on fourth and five? Just trying to figure this one out. It's almost like Coach Hackett got locked into, if we get to a certain yard line, The kicker told me he's good from there, and we execute that. That's going to be good. But they weren't down to the last second. They had opportunity. And fourth and five, how many times, J.D., do we talk about third and five being that, what's that word we use all the time, manageable?
0: Yep.
2: Isn't fourth and five manageable with a quarterback like Russell Wilson? I'm not saying he would have gotten it. We don't know. But what are my odds? How many guys have made 64-yard and beyond field goals in the NFL? Two? Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. All right? And you're not kicking at home in altitude. So I just never understood it. I thought Troy Aikman nailed it on the call. And the beauty was it was a first guess. It wasn't afterwards going, "Huh, I can't believe they did that. He was like, what are you doing? <laughs> he couldn't figure it out right from the word go. So to me, and then they came back and did not play extremely well yesterday, had another delay penalty about whether they a field goal or not. It just doesn't look right with the mechanics, but it's a rookie head coach, hopefully it'll get better. I get Indianapolis at number one because the way the season ended last year, losing in Jacksonville in the game that should have been a virtual lock to go to the playoffs, the owner in front of his jet engines telling the Colts fans how disappointed he was and things will be different going forward, getting rid of the quarterback Carson Wentz, who they were down on from midseason on, Mm -hmm. essentially laying laying the defeat right at his feet and saying, here, you're the one to blame. And they went and got Matt Ryan, which looks like a great move. You get started with that. You open at Houston. You gotta think you you're gonna win that game. You should, because a lot of people are picking them to win the division, Talk about Indianapolis. You lose that, and then you go to no, excuse me, you um you, you tie that, but it felt like a loss.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it does sound win.
2: And, and then you go to Jacksonville with every reason to win that one with nothing but motivation. And was that the seventh straight time they bought eighth straight time they bought in Jacksonville?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: and I heard bad. a great stat, JD. This is a, this is my favorite. I was listening to this in the wee hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. Someone said, in, and I think it was on NFL Network. Of these eight, of the last three times Indianapolis has been shut out, all of them have come at the hands of Jacksonville, which is stunning. Mm. And they lose to Jacksonville. How would you like to be Frank Reich today? And I love Frank Reich, so I want that on the table. I want it perfectly clear. I think he's a quality NFL head coach is an even better person. I'm a huge Frank Reich fan for a lot of reasons, even played against him in college. I would hate to be him today having to talk to his owner. Yeah. I cannot imagine that conversation today. I just cannot imagine. It.
0: No, he's, I think that out of all the coaches that are the most on the hot seat, if we were doing this, like in a different way, not just like, Hey, which fan bases are panicking that I, I would have put the Colts number one because yeah, the Frank Reich experience, this is his fourth quarterback. And, and I guess we shouldn't yep. count Andrew Luck, but it has been um, not very good, let's just say, since Andrew Luck left town. Like, for Phillip Rivers in his age, I think 38 or 39 season, for him to look like the best yeah. of your bunch right now, like, that's really tough for a guy that fashions himself to be a quarterback whisperer. And we've seen this throughout the league many, many times, right? There are guys who are good coordinators that just can't quite hack it when they – and I didn't mean that to be the pun because, yeah, we're going to move there too no. – but yeah, where that that just can't do that at the head coaching spot. So I want to go through these kind of, you know, with a little bit more yeah, real granular, quick,
2: real quick, JD yeah, yeah, on that one, very quickly. Mm-hmm. I just wish that for Frank Reich, he got a quarterback that was in a position for him to groom and take forward. The yeah. only exception to that would be Wentz, which yeah, everyone thought, boys, Wentz in the perfect spot. Had him before, he knows him, and. I don't know as much that that Frank Reich wanted Wentz to go as much as the owner said, get him out of here. Yeah. And that was, that was, you know, game set and match right there because he does sign the checks.
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm watching yesterday and Wentz had a very uninspired first half. He only threw for, I think one first down. And I went, why, this is why you just, he's so uninspiring. You can't have him as your quarterback, but then he ends up having a better day. He actually made it a bit of a ball game was tossing the ball around the yard in the second half. And I went, you know, there's no doubt in my mind I'd rather have Wentz than Matt Ryan right now, especially given the track record for the last five years. But so to go through these ones, you're right. I think we can throw out the Panthers yeah. just in terms of, like, they're not even in the class with these other That's teams.
2: That's the reason I did it. Just, yeah. To me, it just wasn't going to happen.
0: No, it, it wasn't going to happen. I guess my only case for them is that it's like you go out to – you get Baker Mayfield to try to win. This defense has been building to yeah. a point where they thought – I thought anyways that they were going to try to show a little bit of progress, show a little bit of something. And, this- and it's just it's – you're right. It's just not there. And now if I'm a Panthers fan, I'm going, great. So we're going to get a new head coach. We're still looking for our quarterback. We don't know how many pieces of this defense are going to be. It's just like, what do we have here? And it just kind of feels like a big pile of meh. And so that's the panic button to yeah. me, is that you're just sort of in this murky middle lost. You're in that the wilderness, sense. and you don't really know where to go. Um, I had the Raiders. It, but, yeah. it, it, make, it makes sense. And one thing on that, mm-hmm. ownership.
2: Right now, David Tepper and crew. Yep. From the outside look, again, you have to ask a bunch of questions. You have people who were reporting to him. that got moved into top positions that left, like, two months later. Multiple people, not just one, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a training facility that you're building that you pull the plug on, 70-something million dollars, whatever that is, into it <laughs> and walk away from it, and you don't have another one on the books. It doesn't feel like, you know, no. that, that, that things are arrayed correctly right right now it feels like there is disarray there and now you've got the you know now you've got the uncertainty head coach getting getting a lot of heat you bring in mayfield that hasn't worked out quite well yet so on so we'll see how it goes and we'll see how long and what the patience level is of the owner so we'll go from there
0: i, I flip-flopped the Bengals and the raiders uh, why i ended up with the the Bengals ahead of the raiders Raiders' scariest thing to me is that your guy that you just acquired in Devontae Adams just got held to 12 yards, and one of them was a touchdown catch at the very beginning of the game, but I don't know. I'm really looking forward to hearing guys explain how something like that happens, and their downfield attack hasn't quite been there, but I still feel better about the Raiders overall, and I think that was a bit of a flukier loss. The scarier thing for me why I put the Bengals higher, Charles, and what I want to focus in on with them is what you mentioned about the pass protection, because Joe Burrow has now been sacked 13 times in two games. Six against the Cowboys. And Micah Parsons looks like... Like I don't even know who to compare him to. He's just he's a freak. He might be the best player in the NFL. Like he's playing at that kind of level right. where I'm going, How many defensive player of the year awards are you gonna win? He blew up their game plan yesterday. But if your entire premise of the offseason was this offense is going to look just so incredible, and Burrow is already throwing a bunch of interceptions, he's throwing a bunch of turnovers, he's getting hit a bunch. I thought he was getting the ball out way too early a lot of times during that game yesterday, and it was because he kept getting hit and he was afraid of getting hit by Micah Parsons over and over again. I'm starting to tell myself Maybe I should be a little bit more worried if I'm a Bengals fan because if this offensive line doesn't coalesce, is this going to start to hurt the long-term development of a guy that we think is arguably supposed to be one of the best five quarterbacks, six quarterbacks in the NFL?
2: Yeah, and, you know, if you're talking about a quarterback who's getting rid of the ball early, when what part of the criticism of him has been, hey, yeah, the offensive line gave up a lot of hits last year, but part of it was Joe Burrow holding on to the ball to make bigger plays. And now he's not doing that. Now his idea is, okay, I'm not getting hit this much anymore. Ball's gone, right? It changes everything that you're talking about. We had them in week one, and I know for a fact that they spent the entire preseason working on more options to be more dynamic because they thought the offensive line would hold up better. Going totally empty set, five wide receivers. You don't do that unless you think your offensive line is really going to hold up. It's been a major surprise to me. Did I think the rookie left guard, Cordell Bolson, would struggle? Well, of course. He's a rookie left guard. But did I think Lyle Collins? Ted Karras? (laughs) Alex Kappa? No, I didn't see that at all. Does an offensive line need time to coalesce? Does it need time to come together? Absolutely. But I don't think it should be coming at the rate that it's coming for Cincinnati. I thought that they were too good. For Burrow to have this much pressure on it this early,
0: so that brings me to why I have the Broncos number one um, over the Colts. You're right. If if we had to do the rankings of which coach does not want to talk to the owner today, then yeah, oh my God, I don't want to be Frank Reich. Like I just, that's yeah, awful. Just sitting there in the waiting yeah. room talking to Jim Mersay, that's not a place I want to be. But if you're a Denver Broncos fan, Russell Wilson got booed on his home field. That's two day. That's two games in a row where he's been booed, and one of them by your home crowd, your brand new crowd. Um, Yeah, one of them expected. Yeah, one of them unexpected. Very unexpected. You had the the crowd there, Charles, was counting down the play clock. Because Nathaniel Hackett yep. made so many mistakes. He looks overwhelmed. He looks flustered. He's already apologized for a coaching decision. Russell Wilson looks a lot like the guy that I watched in Seattle the last couple of years, ever since the, the Bills game in the Russ Cook era, where you know he's just not the same dynamic playmaker with his feet, and that's changing things with his arms. Now you're talking about Pat Sertain being hurt, Jerry Judy being hurt. That's two first-round picks. If we're talking about expectations, I think the Broncos' expectation was higher going into this year than the Colts. And if I'm a Broncos fan and I see these first two weeks, I don't know what I'm supposed to tell myself that is comforting me to believe that we're still going to be in the class of what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs so far or what we're expecting to see from Josh Allen and the Bills tonight. Like, I'm, I'm smashing that panic button. $260 million, our first-round pick, our second-round pick not being belonging to us this year. I, I can't think of a situation worse than the Broncos. Like, I just, do you, do you have reasons for real optimism here? Or are, am I, yeah, like, do you think that I'm overreacting to this?
2: I don't think that you're overreacting. I, I still thought that the Colts had higher expectations for this reason. Division. You know, they, they, they in Tennessee was, re, was really all the conversation in the AFC South. You know, I don't think anyone was thinking Jacksonville would have the, the stunning move under Doug Peterson and make, and make that, that, that transition. Nor did anyone think Houston would do the same under Lovey Smith. Both thought they would be better. Jacksonville is a very easy one. How could they be worse? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you got urban Meyer out of the building so people can actually breathe and work and think of, you know, you can actually be be a, be a person and be a pro. That's a big help in and of itself. Lovey Smith coming in. I thought they played hard under David Cully last year. Houston mm-hmm. did, but in making the move, Lovey's a good coach to have for a young team and trying to develop them. I knew they would play hard and play, you play well and they played better down the stretch last year, but were they contenders No. I thought it was Indianapolis and Tennessee, period, okay? Denver, yeah, the expectations were extremely high because of the big move for Russell Wilson, but they're still in the same division with Las Vegas, with Kansas City, with the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, when the season began, J.D., I said it, and and again, this is not a John Nash original thought. Four of the top 15 quarterbacks in in the NFL reside in one division. And truthfully, whoever the fourth is that would be, you know, of the to top 15 would rank closer to top 10 as we kicked off the season than he would the to top 15. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how you wanted to rank them. To me, Mahomes would be one because he's done it so many times. Two, to me, was Herbert. Mm-hmm. And then you had a big debate about Carr and, and Russell Wilson. Now, in past years, I don't think there would have been a debate. People have taken Russell Wilson. But where he is right now, going through a new team, new atmosphere. I think it's a legit argument because David, I was even Derek Carr, I think would continue to elevate getting Josh McDaniels as his play caller. So that's why, you know, I was looking at Denver and going, yeah, expectations are high, but my goodness, remember what division they're in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> remember yeah. who they're playing against every week and the way they've come out of the gate. Now Seattle kind of proved yes, proved yesterday that they've got to get their equilibrium back. They put so much into that first game. It was like it was a Super Bowl. Yeah, they, they, And, boy, they did stay. they thud this week. Yeah, they, might right? they put so much into it. It made it personal mm-hmm. that this past week was a major league. Okay, we do it. Oh, boom. Oh, we still got 16 more games to play. So they've got to get that part figured out, and, and we'll see if they do. But bottom line is Denver should have won at Seattle. I, yes, it was a coaching error. We still don't know where they would have got it on fourth and five, but they should have gone for it, no question. But the bigger question was, how did they not score inside inside the five twice? Mm-hmm. And one of them, the play clock was running down, and I wondered if Russell Wilson should have taken a time out there and made sure they were grouped correctly. But remember how they hurried, handed it off, fumble occurred. Now, again, whose fault that was? I'll let the coaches determine that. But bottom line to me is I get where you're coming from. My quibble would have been Indianapolis is in a better division to be that team mm-hmm. as opposed to Denver being in the AFC West where it is a major, major fight. And by the way, everyone thought Kansas City was going to take some steps back, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um... Everybody better be prepared and beware because that young quarterback is mad at himself in the second half of the AFC championship game where he got off the gas and played not to lose instead of to win. And he admitted it publicly. He watched it happen in real time. And he said, I'm never doing that again. And they've turned that team totally over to him. And he's bringing all those new receivers along and he's relishing it. That's Brady territory. That's Aaron Rodgers territory. They're doing it with Patrick Mahomes at what, 28? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Um I think that two parties are going to end up being right here because, yeah, Tua ends up exploding and Tyreek is obviously going to end up having a, a huge impact on that team it already has. And then Mahomes looks every bit like the guy that we were talking about ahead of that Brady Super Bowl, which is the, the next great one. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS. Um, great work this weekend. Really enjoyed the call um, on the Pat Steelers Thank game. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the first show, man. I really do appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, and, and it's an honor to be asked and I'm very, very happy for you and all the best for continued success. I look forward to talking with you down the road.
0: Absolutely, but it'll be next week. Thanks, Charles. Uh, there's Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS. Yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm not flipping my rankings. Charles made a compelling case with the Colts, but even with the division, I want to know that my team can win a Super Bowl, and I think that Broncos fans thought that that's what they were. I think Broncos fans thought Russell Wilson, new offensive head coach, the weapons that we have, and all of a sudden you've got Injuries to two first-round picks. A quarterback that's being booed. Horrific coaching decisions. Two terrible timeouts in that game. And a penalty that turned a field goal into a punt. It it doesn't get worse than how this has started. Even though they're one and one it, I guess it could have been worse, but oh my God. Just from an expectations versus reality standpoint, awful. Colts, I never had high hopes for Matt Ryan. I thought it would be... Meh at best and that they would have a ceiling. Bengals, I could actually make the case that it's even scarier. Just given that, yeah, sure, he's right. The the division is over, the season is very early, but 13 sacks in two games for a guy that has already had a major injury and came into the season hurt. And then yeah, Raiders, 12 yards for Devontae Adams. Panthers are relevant. So I'm glad that uh we ended up taking that out. If I uh I wish I had time for Joe to explain the Saints' position in this. I think I could have had them at five with the way that uh, Jameis played in that game. Uh, Anyway, that was the first J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe to it. Review it. And I'll see you tomorrow, starting with Dan Shulman.